0: Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hey, everybody.
1: As always, thanks for joining us. I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Let's
2: get started. Today, we're going to focus in on a famous passage of Scripture that really represents the foundation of Protestantism. You know, we cite these verses all the time, but we've never taken the time to study them on the air. So let's do that today. So join us
1: now as we listen to the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in them. Ephesians 2,
2: 8-10 We begin with the SPACE method. SPACE is an acronym. SP stands for Speaker, A for Audience, C for context, and E for explanation.
1: We created this acronym to remind Bible students to think about a few things. Who is speaking and to whom? What was happening at the time? The theme and message of the verses leading up to the scripture reading. We believe it's critical to consider these things before attempting to interpret scripture. So let's use the space method here. Okay, SP Speaker. The speaker is the Apostle Paul, and that's
2: clear from the beginning of the letter which states that it was written by Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. In that little phrase there, Andy, Paul reminds us that he is a full apostle, which means he spent time with Jesus. Not only did he meet Jesus on the road to Damascus, but he suggests in Galatians that he spent three years in Arabia
1: receiving, quote, a revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jordan, and our founder, Pastor Gary Whipple, believed this revelation is what the Apostle Paul calls my gospel in his letters. And when we read this letter, we should look for hints of this special knowledge. Whatever happened during those years, we know that Paul went on to write most of the New Testament, founded most of the early churches, and became the most responsible for the spreading of Christianity to the Gentiles. So that's the speaker, the Apostle Paul. The audience
2: is the church at Ephesus. The letter was written to them, but probably also to other
1: churches in that area, as these letters were often circulated. Yeah, the, the Ephesian church was in modern-day Turkey, and it consisted mainly of saved Gentiles.
2: Yeah, and it was a prominent church, too, a kind of flagship for the area and a home
1: base that led to the spread of Christianity in that region. Right, and another good point is that it had been the gateway that led to many other churches being planted in the area.
2: Now, also when we look at the audience, we should keep in mind whether they were spiritually mature or immature. And in this case, the Ephesians were spiritually mature, more mature than some other churches, because many had been Christians for the better part of a decade when this letter was written.
1: Right. And we also know that the Apostle Paul had personally pastored them, that specific church in Ephesus, for about three years. Right. And then the Bible also says that they
2: were shepherded by the likes of Apollos, Aquila, and Priscilla, and many other famous church
1: elders from that time period. So, when we read this letter, we should expect the content to contain deeper truths meant for spiritually mature Christians. Excellent point. Moving on
2: to the context, the context here is that Paul is in prison and he's writing to his beloved church, the one that he pastored, to encourage them and remind them of their core doctrine. This letter was written late in Paul's ministry around 60 to 62 AD during his first Roman imprisonment. For that reason, it's called one of the prison epistles which places it with Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. So now looking at the Bible context, the chapter before this one, chapter 1, emphasizes several
1: key doctrines. Andy, could you go through those, please? Sure. Uh, The first one we could talk about is election, and it's found in chapter 1, verse 4. And we can quote that, and it says, He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. Another one is adoption, and that's found in the very next verse, and it states, He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah, in our earlier study of adoption in ancient times, we learned this process of becoming an heir began with being adopted as a child, and that was for biological offspring as well as non-biological offspring. In the case of the Gentiles, they were adopted, for example, as children despite not being God's people, not being Jewish. This is also called the ingrafting in the Bible, which is sort of an image from horticulture or you know, plant
1: tending. Yeah, Jordan, in Romans chapter 11, that's a good point. The apostle Paul invokes a symbol of Israel as the olive tree and says to the Gentiles, you being a wild olive were grafted in among them or among the children of Israel, and you became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree. So back to our context in Ephesians, chapter one goes on to talk about also the inheritance And if we look at verse 18, it says that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And then finally, Lordship verses 20 to 23 reads, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all the things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all.
2: So all these themes, election, adoption, inheritance, and lordship are the theme and message of the verses preceding our scripture reading today. And after our scripture reading, Paul writes, Remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh... are also called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood
1: of Christ. Okay, so now that we know who the speaker, the audience, and the context is of our scripture reading, I think we're ready to attempt an explanation. So let's hear it again, and for further context, let's go back to the beginning of the chapter in Ephesians chapter 2. Okay, verse 1. You were dead through the trespasses and sins,
2: verse 2, in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. So that's a good trivia question, Andy, for Christians. Who is the God of this world?
1: And here's a hint. It's not our Father in heaven or His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, it's a it's a probably a very simple question to answer, but I think it's often overlooked that um, if if you ask anyone outside of Christianity, obviously they'll have different opinions. But as far as Christians go, we know that it's Satan. And according to Second Corinthians four, four, and it will continue to be Satan until Christ's return. And, you know, there we see that Satan is also called the ruler of the power of the air and the spirit at work on the earth that causes disobedience. Right.
2: Continuing with Ephesians 2 then, verse 3, All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, verse 5, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by
1: grace you have been saved. All right, Jordan, so let's, Pause here for a second and call out that phrase as it's repeated in the verses we were studying. For instance, the phrase, by grace you have been saved. So let's remember that. And by grace, God saved us. But what else? Well, the answer is in
2: verse six. It says, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that's the answer to the question. But also in that verse, we have some key phrases, Andy, I want to point out. One of them is the words raised up. Is past tense, and the other phrase is seated with
1: him is also in the past tense. Why is that important? Well, I think it's very critical for us to understand that God is sovereign and God is omniscient, He's all knowing. And obviously, according to scripture throughout the Bible, that He's predestined His children, Christians that He's chosen from the foundation of the earth. And once we as Christians recognize that. What God did by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for the sins of the world. And the moment that we realize that he did that and we accept that, that we acknowledge that, that at that moment, spiritually, we're also, we should be under the knowledge that our spirit is judicially already positioned in heaven. Mm. Because Jesus' finished work on a cross, according to to God's teaching and, and God's word and according to the, the, the judicial system of Christianity, in God's eyes, we are already saved. It's past tense. It's a finished work. Right, um, And that obviously opens up you know, other things that we'll talk about later on in this message.
2: Yeah, and verse 7 alludes to some of that. It says, So that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then we're basically at our scripture reading, so I'm going to go ahead and read 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one
1: may boast. Notice, though, he repeats the phrase, by grace you have been saved, but then adds, through faith, which he then contrasts with works, and note that, again, it's have been saved as in the past tense, Jordan. Yeah, right, That that's
2: what we call past tense salvation. Um, we call it that because whenever you see it in the Bible, it is expressed in the the Greek past tense, and it's important because there are other types of um, words in the Bible that are translated in New Testament Greek that are translated salvation that are present, continuing, and even future. So it's important to to make that tense distinction. So you know what it's talking about. And we did an episode recently about mind, body, and spirit, the three parts of man. Right. And not to get too deeply into
1: that, but past tense salvation always refers to salvation of the spirit. Right. And for those of our listeners, those of you out there who might have probably have never heard of anything like this before, the key of our ministry is to really try to get Christians to dive in a little deeper, if you will, and really focus a little bit more on critical verses in the Bible and by doing that, you'll find if you if you follow along with us that the Bible does not contradict itself. Right. Obviously, there's a a, a schism or a, a separation of beliefs, whether it be you know Armenianism or Calvinism on you know whether salvation is secure or whether it can be given away or lost or what have you based on your works. Um, our ministry is is to show and i don't mean to give it all away you know as far as this episode goes but our our purpose is to show that both sides are right but at the same time both sides are wrong it all right. depends on where in the bible you're looking at what verse so it is key as you mentioned it's key to look at simple things like the tense of a word right um you know have been saved being past Good tense point. is speaking of a specific type of salvation and um you know and again I, I just want to give a little hint for people who might not have heard any of our prior episodes There are three parts of man. There's the body, the soul, and the spirit, distinctively different. And in order for us to be fully redeemed, for Jesus to redeem us back to our original state before Adam sinned, we need to be saved, body, soul, and spirit. And um, you can go back to listening to some of our past episodes. If you visit our website and you're interested in this topic, you can go to motk.org and just look up some of our past episodes. Look at the topics as far as salvation goes. And you'll get a, a lot of great information on that. So
2: well, I just want to say it's important because people that are listening to the, these words for the first time might be saying to themselves, these guys are crazy. Soul and spirit are the same, you know, they're interchangeable. And right. through, through the studies that we've done and we've broadcast, you know, suffice to say in short terms, if you go into the original language, the Bible was written in, there are two totally different words that are translated spirit and translated soul. They're two completely indistinct words. And until you actually get down to that level and see it, you're going to misunderstand a lot of things that are New Testament.
1: Right. So unless you are well-versed in Koine Greek, you probably wouldn't catch that, <laughs> right, you know, exactly. if you're just reading an English version of the Bible, regardless of the translation. Um, you're not going to pick that up. But what you we can pick up is the verb tense. Right. and and that's something distinct that any reader at home can notice you yeah because in English you know,
2: it's often expressed in the same tense you know sometimes it, it's exactly. not
1: sometimes it gets a little tricky
2: too because Greek has like you know more many more tenses than we do and many more um, inflections on a word it, it's a pretty complicated language that way but but in in the English translations of the Bible the
1: tenses are usually accurate absolutely so just before moving on as a rule of thumb please keep this in mind if you're listening at home for studying at home that anytime salvation is spoken in the past tense as a finished work it's specifically talking about our spiritual salvation right. and if it if you read anything that talks about an ongoing salvation that we continually have to strive for that's talking about the soul salvation and those are two distinct things and again if you want to know the difference go to our website or reach out to us send us an email And we'll send you some more information on that. Well, we're going to hear a little bit about
2: the distinction now because really we're about to zero in on the meat of the meat, the meat of this verse, the key phrase in this verse, Andy, which is that salvation, this salvation, this past tense salvation is the gift of God. And a gift is free, which is really the point of these verses. It's to say that it's not earned. I mean, he pretty much says it in the most explicit terms possible, that this gift is not earned. It's not of yourselves it's not as a result of works. You can't boast about it. It's the gift of God. And it but but again, it's important to understand which type of salvation he's talking about here. We call it the gift.
1: Yeah, and believe it or not, if you don't know the difference, you know, complete denominations come out of this, right? right? So, um, you know, the beautiful thing is if if you do start understanding this and you pray about it and God will reveal this to you by studying the scripture. Don't take our word for it. You know, Try to g- go on your own and do these studies and prove us wrong, but it's it's not about that. it's it's we want us to be on the same page with you. We want you to see these deeper truths. and you know it and it's it's funny because it's critical to consider that much of the Bible is about what we can or should be earning, right. you know and that and that in according to scripture is called the prize, which is distinctively different from the gift. and you know these verses can be found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, and also in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24.
2: Yeah, for example, in 1 Corinthians, the, the verse you just alluded to, the Apostle Paul compares it to the prize that a runner receives for winning his race. He calls it the imperishable wreath. And we know it's not salvation by grace because works are very much involved in earning it. For instance, he talks about disciplining his body and making it a slave. That's 1 Corinthians nine twenty-seven, in order to earn this prize. He also talks about the possibility, and this is key, of being disqualified
1: in that verse. Yeah, I mean, notice that word qualify, you know, disqualify, qualify. We all know that all Christians are going to be judged one day. You know, actually all people are going to be judged, but Christians are going to have a distinct judgment at the Bema Seat or the Judgment Seat of Christ, according to Scripture. And then the White Throne Judgment, obviously, is for everyone else who's not a Christian, which is after the Millennial Kingdom. And that's that's another for another a topic for another day. But... You know, why the simple answer is to see if we qualify for the prize. And, you know, but our scripture reading today is not about that. And again, it's about the gift and not the prize. Yeah. So being able to distinguish the gift from the prize is the secret, really,
2: to unlocking the most confusing and controversial passages in the Bible. As you said, whole denominations are born out of this misunderstanding, this confusion. So many people will actually miss this distinction between the gift and the prize. And you know, uh, in the past, we have focused on the word salvation as in being saved. And here in Ephesians two eight, we see the past tense of the verb again as well. So once again, pay attention to the tenses, you
1: have been saved. That's talking about the gift. Yeah, I mean, it's a done deal. You have been saved. It's finished. It's over. It's done. Um, and you know, we call this past tense salvation, as I mentioned earlier, the salvation of the Spirit. And some actually call it justification. A lot of pastors today use the word justification. Yeah,
2: we're justified by the blood of Christ. That's not not anything that we did. You can't earn it. It was it was purely based on His sacrifice on
1: the cross. Yeah, and you know we can distinguish this from present tense salvation, or like like we talked about earlier, the ongoing salvation of the soul or the life. And then some pastors might call this sanctification, if you will, and that speaks of the daily cleansing or the renewing of our lives through confession, which we need to be do. All Christians need to do daily.
2: Yeah, so justification is distinct from sanctification. Justification is past tense, sanctification is present and ongoing as we let the Lord lead our lives and listen uh we understand this language can be confusing. Many of you are saying to yourself like this is the first time I've ever heard that there are two salvations and actually there are th- there are three, but um uh you know you have to you have to make these distinctions. Um and, and it's easier to talk about two. The third is salvation of the body which refers to right. the future and and um, how our bodies will be redeemed and all that stuff. But um, it's easier to to talk about two salvations, because those apply to most of the passages in the Bible, and just sort of keeping in mind the difference between the gift, which is not earned, it's a gift, and the prize, which is earned. Or perhaps justification, and to use an earlier word, qualification.
1: Yeah, and the gift of salvation from hell was free, right? It It was a gift that God gave us. We could study that in Romans, and what we try to strive for that we qualify for, is for the prize. And again, we'll we'll talk about that soon.
2: Yeah, speaking of which, our reading today actually ends with verse 10, which is telling, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God
1: prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Mm. You know, most Protestants, short in supporting the doctrine of salvation by grace, uh, they tend to stop at verse 9 of Ephesians 2. But uh, verse 10 immediately introduces works as a necessary part of our Christian walk. Right, not not of salvation from hell because that would
2: contradict verse 9, but of fulfilling the purpose of, quote, his workmanship which the apostle
1: Paul says God prepared beforehand. Right. So the main, you know, the the key of our message today, of our lesson today is for people to be more focused and and study a little deeper as far as just being able to distinct the difference between the gift and the prize. That justification is equivalent to the gift that God gave us by sending us His Son, and that qualification is something that we try to strive to do, now that we are Christians, to walk righteously and be obedient to God's Word and continually confess our sins and do the right thing as we're taught.
2: To win a prize, you know, and we've done many episodes on what the prize is as well. Generally speaking, in summary, it refers to the kingdom and rewards received at the judgment seat, which, which will translate into position within the millennial kingdom. But again, that's a, that's, we've done whole episodes on that. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes to explain our initiative, Get 20, Give 20.
1: Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website.
2: We archive all lessons and make them available for free at
1: 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device.
2: Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you may have.
1: And we have a growing Facebook community and
2: a discussion forum. When you're on our site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know
1: when new lessons have been added. Also, when you sign up for email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series we put together titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little
2: thank you for joining our online community. It's all online at
1: 20minutebiblestudies.org.
2: Or if you don't want to type so much,
1: 20mbs.org will get you there faster. Moving on to Give20. This is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can.
2: We know so many Christians find it hard to make time to study God's Word and then feel
1: guilty they're unable to do it. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth, and yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular
2: basis. This is why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 Minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word.
1: By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible.
2: To join our Give20 initiative, visit
1: 20MBS.org and click donate. And finally, 20 Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you
2: liked what you heard today and want to go deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit the website
1: of Mysteries of the Kingdom, MOTK.org. Yes, these radio studies are just 20 minutes, but our MOTK lessons last as long as needed to fully understand whatever passage of Scripture we're studying.
2: So if you're interested in learning more about what you heard today, you'll definitely want to check out our in-depth, multi-part studies, which are available for free at MOTK.org. Thank you so much for your 20 Minutes. I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. May God bless you.
0: Thanks for joining us for another 20-Minute Bible Study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, May the word of Christ dwell in you richly. All
1: rights reserved. Mysteries of the Kingdom, Incorporated.